Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We are recording on a Wednesday night after the Hawks win over the Dallas Mavericks. Glenn, what's wrong with the Hawks? Who is this team? Um, I mean, they're, they're fun to watch again. So, I mean, you know, they're getting healthy. They have, they kind of have their full rotation back. And, and I think we've always said on this podcast that when they have everybody, they're pretty good, you know, and I think we're seeing that. Yeah, they really, uh, they really look good. It's nice to have Clint coming off the bench. Yeah. For sure. It's a, well, what's this strange third quarter, late third quarter boost that we're getting from this amazing defender? And it's like, oh, that's Clint Capella. That, that's kind of handy. Uh, yeah, your center is a top 10 center in the league right now, probably, right? So, yeah, he's he's looking good. He's, you know, b- before we leave the topic of Capella, I, you know, one thing that just uh, surprising me is like how quickly I know he's on a minutes restriction 20 the other day, 23 today. But he doesn't appear to be getting gassed except for maybe a couple of minutes where the ball uh, didn't want to play nicely with his hands. But just in terms of like getting up and down the floor, my goodness, he's he's flying. He is. And it's kind of funny. He's been finishing, uh, apart from a couple of examples on the game tonight, he's been finishing. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but he's been catching lobs that were below the rim. And he's laying, he's like laying them in, like, you know, it's like, I don't remember that being a thing before he took this break. It's like, is is that something they worked on to like, they feel like if he kind of does this underhanded kind of thing around the rim, that, I mean, it just, it it looks like a thing they're trying to do, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of strange. It'd be interesting to be able to ask him that, but I mean, he's, you know, we've said all year, he's one of their very most important players in some games and some matchups. It feels like, it seems like he's their most important player. Um, and, you know, knock on wood, hopefully he um, can be healthy the rest of the way. Um, he, he brings a ton, you know, I, I feel like tonight, if they had not been able to turn back to JC and Clint there the last three and a half minutes or, or, or roughly or whatever it was that, that it was going to, I think the Hawks won the game. Um, and that was that was big. I mean, obviously, after the game, that um, you know that was an ego uh, master class kind of a, a, a trade, just kind of really playing with that ego tonight. And it wasn't just tonight, but tonight was probably the best example of that. And Dejounte's been um, maybe as a part of Trey backing off a little bit. Dejounte's kind of finding his rhythm again, and, and maybe that's the thing that's going to stick for the team and stuff like that. But just you know, we went through a stretch where the team was just not any fun to watch. Um, you know, and now these last few games, uh, I mean, the Miami game wasn't that fun because it was just like a, a rock fight and, you know, <laughs> but, but from the Hawks side, they're fun, they're fun, fun team to watch again, at least right now. Yeah. You said something the other day and I don't know that I necessarily agreed or disagreed, but you said that the ball movement was better now than any time in the post Budenholzer era, I think is what you said. <laughs> was yeah. that hyperbole? Yeah. Did you really mean that? Is it? Well, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't 
I, I didn't really mean it, mean it. I didn't not mean it. I'll explain. Like, I didn't sit down and give it a 20 minute think about, like, you know, I mean, and the Lloyd Pierce era, like, they got like 37 assists, you know, they had like a number of games where they had like a million assists, you right. know. And so it, you know, but I, I like, I, I'd be honest, I didn't sit down and think, like, well, was there a few games, and, <laughs> you know, in that time, you know, I, I was kind of being mostly uh, casual about the comment, okay. but I, I thought it had some truth, some some truth in it. How's that? That, that, that seems fair. Um, so, well, what's the key to the ball move? Is there anything that you're picking up? Is it, is it pace? Is it uh, just sort of sticking to the script? Is it the way that opponents are guarding them and or you know are playing to their strengths? Like, what what is it? I you know I think the number one thing I would pick is pace. You're if you can attack before the other defense gets set. It helps the like Miami, you wanna you wanna play fast against them. That Dallas, you definitely want to play fast against them. And so but I feel like the Hawks can't always make it kind of a matchup dependent thing. Um right. Um so uh, so yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I feel like they need to do that more, but for me, it's like, you know, as Clint has come back, a little pressure off on Yeka to, um, you know, play 30 plus minutes, you know, so maybe he doesn't have to worry so much about fouls, but, and, and I feel like their, their pace is better when they're playing their best defense, you know? So, um, you know, so I, I feel like when they pick up their defense, they can pick up their pace. When they pick up their pace, they're attacking before the other defense gets set. And I think there's kind of more natural ball flow when that's the case. When you get, I was worried the whole game tonight that Luca was going to drag the game, you know, into an absolute, you know, uh, just sales race, and and the Hawks are kind of kind of lose the edge they had through the pace, and that they managed to not let him do that, which is great. Um, but but I think it's kind of a there's not a, I think it's kind of a series of things like defense sets you up for pace pace sets you up for attacking a defense that's not set when you attack a defense that's not set you tend to collapse what defense is there kick the ball out and then get the ball moving and it's like a a leads to b leads to c and to me that's the process that i think i see um at work right now yeah even before the mavericks game i was trying to process it and it does feel like it's sort of this you know this whole continuum of you know defense and transition offense and you know making baskets and getting your defense set again it's it's a cycle and it's hard to pick it apart and and say that it's any one thing but I do think part of it is just you know even after made baskets uh you know walking the dog aside I think that Trey is just playing with better pace I think he's being much more uh much more astute uh, or much more uh in the moment remembering that he needs to do that even and, in situations like, where it's a little bit forced, like there's the obvious transition stuff, but this is more the, hey, we're just getting into a half court set, but hey, can, you know, can we do it before the other team has gotten to exactly the spots that they want and gone through the mental checklist of what they need to pay attention to? Like, if you just, you know, push it a little bit, maybe you get one mismatch, maybe you're just not letting them get to their ideal spots or something, but they're just, it, it feels like they're keeping the defense softer that way. And, and I and I also I think it's a great point. I also think when they play faster, their bigs get more opportunities too. 
you know, when when they're in the set offense, it's typically Trey and DeJounte kind of attacking, you know, through whatever action is kind of set up and things like that. But, you know, there's more space in the middle. You don't have all five defenders back or all five defenders back and kind of set the way you want them set up. And yeah, I felt like all the scoring JC gave him tonight was playing fast, letting him kind of get into advantageous, you know, situations and spots, letting him attack and Clint's rim running, you know, gave him some opportunities uh, as well. And so that just creates more touches generally when you have opportunities to get, give the bigs a chance to function where they do well. It creates more energy, uh, better chemistry, you know, and that and that tends to kind of, I think, lead a team towards the more constructive kind of ways of playing. We haven't potted in a while, so I'm and curious. I, I should tell. I should tell you, it's my it's my fault. I've been traveling. I had dental surgery <laughs> on Friday. My wife and I are trying to buy a house. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I haven't done a, a breakdown, like film breakdown. I think I did one. Um, um, so I, I'm behind. So this weekend I'm hoping to get caught up, but not Kevin's fault. We haven't potted in a while. It's all me and all the craziness in my life right now. But we'll we'll get back on track. I wanted. To, uh, did you see the Raptors game? Of course, yeah, I've seen all the games. Okay, okay. Just, um, it's just like that's all I've I've done. <laughs> it's just watch the games live. I'm curious what you thought of the Raptors game, just because you know in the rock paper scissors game of the NBA, the the Hawks <laughs> have been uh, paper and the the Raptors have been scissors for like five years now. Feels like it. And, you know how did they uh, you know beat the 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 nemesis, their kryptonite? But what's funny is like you say that and it feels that way, but the Hawks won the season series by winning that game. You know, it's it's just kind of funny when you go back and look at the results. I mean, so, so anyway, I, I think I think some of the Hawks' ugliest losses have been to the Raptors, and that and that's what makes it like if I don't know if we went back and looked at the record the last four years, it would be like a five hundred. I have no idea. <laughs> well, they I, the, it it was their first road win in Toronto in like five years, so I don't think they've won yeah, any yeah. of the games there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, although, some home although, games. although one of those years they're trying to play in Florida, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to minimize your point, but yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say is that I, I, to me at least, what it's about is the ugly losses, like the absolutely brutal sure. ugly losses, right? Okay, and where they can't deal with their length and they turn the ball over five straight possessions, it feels like you know can't get it can't even get into any sense of their offense there's been games where kind of that's been the case right and you know and and here i think i think in this case um you know i think i it seemed like the hawks realized that the the raptors honestly just don't have a lot of ball handling and as long as the hawks can kind of get back and get set work back and get set that you know i mean siakam is a wonderful player i enjoy watching him play i think he's grown so much but he can't be offensive primary on a serious team you know right. that's not what he can do um he's just not enough of a passer not enough of a ball handler you give him get him next to a primary he's an awesome number two to me and i love his game i love watching him play like a lot of respect he's grown and stuff i love watching him play but i mean they try to play him like he's the point guard and I just think that a smart team's going to come and say, dude, that's not going to work against us. He, he doesn't have a, he's not dynamic enough, you know, with the basketball. And so, you know, I felt like in the first half of that game, they let him kind of get the paint and turn his left shoulder like he likes to. But he really has two or three kind of go to moves that if you let him get to them, you're dead, you know. But if you can kind of keep him away from those, he's a little bit more of an ordinary uh, creator. And I just felt like the Hawks, when they're playing their basketball, basketball their help is showing up in the right place 
they're helping each other rebound. They're helping kind of push the ball in the direction where there's more help. They're doing things like scrambling small guys in the middle and a big guy out. And that's, so I just feel like it was like a lot of that kind of just good fundamental kind of technical stuff on that end where they were playing, paying a ton of attention to detail. Um, that was another game where they, you know, uh, I was like, it's just kind of funny because like we could talk about that game and then the Miami game and then the Dallas game were all fascinating from a scheme perspective. But like in the Toronto game, it's like, you can tell they don't have really a point guard because like they never made trade the low man, not one time the whole game, which is weird. And they couldn't get traded into the primary action ever. And so in, in my sense, I'm like, the Raptors kind of made it easy on the Hawks because they didn't kind of go at what their weaknesses are that most teams kind of go at. And so the Hawks were kind of set up for success and that Toronto never tried to kind of do the things with Trey that most teams try to do, make him the low man, get him into the ball screen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Trey impacted, you know, plays on defense by jumping passing lanes. He, he you know, had a couple of nice digs and things like that. And so part of that was kind of the Raptors not doing very Nick Nurse things, you know, in a way, uh, and things like that. So but that, I don't want to take it away from the fact that the Hawks played hard. The Hawks took care of the basketball. The Hawks were calm. Um, and even when they threw pressure in Trey's face, Trey gave up. Trey didn't try to make this dynamic play all the time. They had, about, what, three or four ugly turnovers in the game. Had one. Aaron had one. Trey had a couple, I think. Where they try to throw the ball all the way across, you know, the def- this defense of long players. But for the most part, it was like a simple little relief valve kind of pass and let the, the next guy kind of go to work. And so it's just, it's just simplicity and basics and not trying to always make the big play, not trying to do too much, trusting the, the, the teammate next to you. Um, but it was weird to me that, like, it, and I guess, like, is Toronto kind of in a funk, like, from a chemistry standpoint? Or do they just not have the initiator to kind of get them into actions that attack the other team's, you know, vulnerabilities on defense? So it was a it was a, it was an interesting but weird game to watch from that standpoint. Yeah, and you know they're torn because when they put Fred VanVleet in, it wasn't going well for him, no. and they have that organizer, but the Hawks could kind of pick on him on defense, and then you know all the things that you said were true when he exited right i know and then they tried they tried to close with basically at five forwards i think you know <laughs> a little bit on twitter yeah and and when scotty and then when scotty now how they had to bring a guard back in i think they brought fred back in at that point and it was like okay now you're you're going to try to play with so little ball handling on the floor you know it's just it's kind of and i mean the hawks aren't the aren't really set up to just pounce on a team that doesn't have enough ball handling it's not like the hawks you know, generate a ton of ball pressure and right. things like that but it's still still funny to think about that but i i felt like at that point nick nurse was like okay the only way we're not we're not making trade the low man we're not getting trade the action our half court stuff is is going nowhere so let's just try to trap the heck out of them and create transition you know which right. was i think was the plan which makes sense you yep. know but then scotty fell out and kind of sunk that plan What else do you want to talk about? I mean, what, what what are the things that stand out to you about you know this wing streak, apart from um, the things we've already talked about? Yeah. Well, I mean, Miami is like their resilience, like their officiating was pretty bad in that game, and it's it's like a terrible podcast topic, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Right. But Miami was like 
unbelievably physical. Um, and and then like you know, I mean, Jimmy's a master. He's a you know, he's a vet. He's a superstar. You know, those guys know how to work the ref. So he was also kind of doing his stuff, and you know, and then uh, you know, Caleb Martin did his impersonation of Kyle Lowry a couple of times, flop in, and you know. <laughs> um and stuff so um so i mean but i just felt like i can i can normally have an opinion about the refs like tonight like the refs had i think two three or four minute stretches where it was just horrible uh the rest of the game was totally fine you know it was just like a couple of stretches and that miami game it was like man this just feels uneven and i was actually agitated watching it but from the, the standpoint of kind of what went well you know, the Hawks didn't get too distracted by that. The Hawks didn't get caught up in that. You know, they just kept playing well and they basically controlled the game, you know. Um, you know, Miami kind of as as we probably knew they were, they Miami got themselves back in it in the third quarter with kind of a, a mad push there. And you know, in past Hawks teams, I think would have kind of lost their composure, lost confidence in one another, um, and and not been able to kind of sustain that all the way down to the end. But I just felt like they played with composure, stuck together. Um, and it kind of went from there, you know, so that was, that was huge. I think back to, you know, like the, um, so the, the Pacers was the game before Toronto. Was that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there were like, you know, JC is like, he looked great tonight, but like for a few games back there, he looked like he was, I don't know if he was hurt or like dealing a minor injury. Like there was a, like two games where he really wasn't running jumping like he normally does. Like tonight he looked like totally himself again to me. Yes. But he was still JC still like out there really working hard organizing, you know. Um and you could tell he's not you know when he was not running and jumping, he's not really doing anything on offense, you know. Totally different tonight. But still like I mean they tried to play the whole fourth quarter uh without him um in that game and he had to come in and kind of organize the defense because the the point of attack defense was so bad and Yeka was way up the floor in that game they needed jc even though we couldn't move very well to come in and organize behind and Yeka behind the floor so it's just i've just been impressed with uh the way they worked together adversity it's been resilient been calm it looked like a team that kind of has some confidence in themselves right now um so it's been interesting to kind of watch that the, the fascinating thing tonight in tonight's game now then i'll let i'll be quite like you react all this was um in the beginning the hawks were blitzing luca basically the whole game yep. and in the first quarter basically dallas was trying to make trey the defender the closest defender one pass away so that Luca could get his seam, his line of of dribble penetration, and, and they felt like well, he's not going to be able to kind of help down or really do anything impact Luca's penetration. And then the Hawks were, had some success blitzing, and then in the second quarter they're like, we're going to go to double double drag or staggered screens. It's harder to blitz two screens, double screen ball action. It took a while for the Hawks to kind of sort that figure that out, and then in the second half they finally. Um, in the third quarter, like twice, they made Trey the low man, and JC kept getting Trey out of that spot, which was great. You know, it's great that as a team to watch them recognize, oh, they're trying to make Trey the low man. I'm going to go get him out of there. You know, and it's like before about a month ago, you never saw that kind of, that kind of sophistication and attention to the detail to keep. I mean, the team is working so hard right now to keep Trey out of bad spots, and Trey is participating in that without like 
having an ego about you know you don't have to you know treat me special on defense he's like no yeah get me out of here you know yeah he's and looking he for it, it. He, yeah and he and he knows like yeah. this is what it takes for us to win you can tell you know and then the finally in the fourth quarter they were trying to get trey to the you know ball screens and let luca get him out of luca and i think they they were successful twice trey's been great about showing and clearing showing and clearing showing and clearing yep uh, tonight they they forced it twice, and both times somebody came just came and got him off and switched them back out. And and th- you can do that with Luca because Luca's game is not built on speed. You know he's not like a Russell Westbrook that's just like if you give him a half a second of like time where defenders are switching out, he's going to attack you with speed. That's not what Luca does. Luca attacks you with craft and strength. You know, yeah, and size. Um, so it's like I could go on and on and on about like all of these kind of more nuanced things they're doing. And to me, that's what's the foundation of their good play these last four games. I feel like they've been showing, even when they weren't winning games, I, I felt like this started to show up on the West Coast road trip, which, you know, the second half of that road trip was better than the first half of the road trip. And 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 then it Hold really on, started. that Lakers game was the worst. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, that's true. I think yeah, that was I, the I worst was thinking... game. I think the whole trip was like, okay, but that Lakers game was, I think that was the worst one. And that came in the second half. Yeah, yeah, but it was what uh, Kings, Lakers, Clippers, right? It was, yeah, it was Warriors, yeah. Kings, Lakers, Clippers. Right. So I meant like the last three games collected. I mean, you know, yeah, but the Lakers game was it was rough. But I mean, I just I felt like they, I felt like the, I still felt like it when I watched the game in the first quarter. They like were still trying to kind of do things, and they were like, yeah, we can't stop LeBron. These, you know, yeah, I mean, th- that the mat is a, we talk about the game in Atlanta. It's a terrible matchup when you don't have Clint. A terrible matchup, you know, Clint. Yeah. Um, but they still came back, like against the Clippers, and played great. You know, yeah. in my mind, you know, and so they were starting to show some of this more nuanced execution on defense that's not been part of what they've been about for a while with this core and you know built around Trey. And you see more and more and more keeping Trey out of trouble. Trey helping his teammates help him stay out of trouble. Uh, like the big adjustment like from the first quarter to the second quarter tonight was like when Clint would be up the floor, John would be out like on the strong or weak side corner and you'd have like DeJounte in the middle or something. And like as soon as they rolled like a big to the rim playing four on three, like DeJounte can't deal with, you know, JaVale McGee or whoever. Second quarter, you started seeing JC just come in to the middle and sending DeJounte or Trey or whoever back out and, and they – I mean, Dallas still put up a healthy number in the paint, but they had more control. They were able to impact more at the rim. That's why you saw Dallas become more dependent on the three-point shot in the second half. Now, they made their fair share, but the Hawks were like, we're going to do better defending the paint, keeping the ball out of here. And so it's just this new, much, much, much more nuanced defensive execution that makes it more fun. That's fun to watch for me. Makes me feel better about them as a team. They can kind of keep this up, and I think it does lead them to better offense too. Yeah, Trey, you know, for a week, two weeks now, has just looked like a different player on defense. He's he's fighting over screens. Like you, you when you talked about your scrims, which is like he's he's not waiting for someone to come get him. Like he's looking for it bef- before the call. Like you could see his head turn. Like, hey, are we doing it? Yeah. Okay. Good. You know, he's and sometimes he's the one calling. Like, yeah, making the ver- the verbal call. You know. Yep. Dre, come get me. You know, you'll hear him say things like that. You know. Yeah, he's he's been just super super attentive, and you know between him and Dejounte, uh, you know when when they're locked in defensively, the 
<laughs> the Hawks don't have a lot of problems in their starting lineup on defense because you've got Collins, Hunter, and Capella. So that's that's quite a recipe for a solid defense. Absolutely. I do yeah. think that Capella's return was absolutely key in the Miami game just because, you know, the way that game slowed down, you need you needed somebody who could control the glass because like you said, it was it was <laughs> and just physicality too. I mean, yeah, so I mean, it's that, a lot harder to move around than JC and OO. Yeah, that's just a, it was just a different kind of ball game, and you know that's that's one of the things the Hawks yeah. can do with their with their depth. They have so they have so many different looks defensively among their bigs that uh, that they can do a lot of different looks. You know, they can play with the small pacers who are playing four guards. You know, like they, they can they can deal with a lot of different setups. Yeah, it, it, I'm anxious to see, like, you know, um, how, how they navigate the deadline because I continue to think, like, that Pacers game, if they don't have JC, they, there's no way they win the game. Like, oh, is having Wait, what? the four level spring. <laughs> what? I don't know. Collins was struggling. He was on the he was on the the bus for the the Indiana game, at least on offense. I, I guess you're pointing to defense. Yeah, so so right, he, it was so bad they tried to play the whole floor without him, and Anyeka was having to get way up the floor because the point of attack defense was so bad. And there was once Anyeka got way up the floor, there was nobody back there that had really any experience organizing what was going on behind Anyeka. And so even though John could barely move, it looked like to me with yeah, like three was... and a half minutes. Yeah, he was like zero for seven, I think, until he got the tip in or something like that. Yeah, but more um, than just zero for seven, like he couldn't elevate. Like he was getting a shot blocked, right? Uh, over he was and like, over. I I imagine he's out there like dragging one leg on the floor. Yeah, yeah that's my memory. But like with three and a half minutes to go, and I I remember seeing it. Nate turned to John, "You gotta get in there." And John went in, and I mean, John just seems like a great teammate. He went in, couldn't really move, couldn't really jump. But with Anyeka up the floor, John was getting everybody behind Anyeka up the floor. He's getting everybody exactly where they needed to be, Keep getting them in their place, getting them organized. And I mean, I was the first thing I tweeted when the game was over was thank goodness for John Collins. Thank goodness for John Collins. Because everybody was killing him on Twitter that whole game. And I get it. He was not doing really anything to help the team, you know, in the ways that you kind of think that he needs to. But had he not been willing to go back out there with whatever he was dealing or whatever it looked like he was dealing with they had no shot to win that game absolutely zero shot to win, to win that game he was the only person that was available to play in that game that could do that and you know a lot of other players might be like a 0 for 7 kind of an embarrassing game or whatever deflating game you know i'm not really feeling it you know he went back in and did what he could do and that and I was that's to me, that's like one of the most oppressive things that I've seen John Collins do, despite how horrible the rest of his game was. And and I don't think it's we know John can run and jump, but for that in that game, for whatever reason, he wasn't doing it, it seemed like he couldn't do it. So that's that's the stuff that makes me feel like, oh, a real team maybe is starting to emerge here is when guys are doing the less glorious things, the things that get less attention, but it matters to them executing as a team kind of the way that they need to, you know, and that was, I absolutely loved JC that night. I love, I love what he gave his team, you know, that night. And then you kind of go through, you know, on and on and on the way they stabilize themselves through the Miami game. And then, you know, tonight, the way they dealt with Luke, I mean, Hunter got into foul troubles. Coffee was 
not having his best game. I'll just put it that way. Um, but yeah, Woods, he was asleep half the game. <laughs> I don't know what was going on over there. It's kind of weirdly uh, pissed game. But then DeJounte gets moved on to Luca, and it's like, oh man, Luca's just going to like, you know, turn us to like a bumper car kind of contest, you know, just push him all over the floor. But the funny thing is, like, DeJounte, what he struggles with on ball is typically he's keeping guys in front. He's surprisingly not awesome at that. You know, I think he kind of, I think maybe he has a, uh, reputation for being like stopper, which he's not, you know, in that way. Uh, but Luca's not very quick and fast, so he's not going to go around Dejounte. So like maybe Dejounte's kind of biggest issue on ball is is negated there. Dejounte is like really surprisingly physical for a guy his size, and I thought he did just a phenomenal job. And I thought the help defense was was good. Kept Trey out of trouble, you know. And so that was there. And, and then you know the more I, I I still find it very interesting. The more I watch Trey. I think about all of the um, strange comps to Steph, you know, and an offense, he's not Steph. He's a completely different thing. Right, but right. What he's becoming on defense is exactly Steph, you know, in that Steph's primary job, if he gets brought into the primary action, is showing clear, showing clear, showing clear. That's what Trey does. That's what Trey yeah. has to do. That's what Trey knows he has to do. When Steph gets in trouble, he asks for help. That's what so it's hilarious to me that like that that was a, a miscalculated kind of offensive comp, but what's evolving and developing on the defensive end is exactly the step blueprint, and I find that really amusing. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. Uh, do do you want to do the front office stuff? Sure, you do. What do you want to say? Uh, well, we already had this conversation, but um, did we? I don't think we I mean we haven't potted in like. No, we had things, a, we did things a whole, have happened. We, we, we did a whole episode. I remember, remember the episode that ended with me saying, "Happy New Year, Kevin." That was uh, the okay. But have, have yeah. has, hasn't have there been new revelations? I'm now you you've got me questioning no, myself. I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, Landry. I, so where I am, I didn't get the Valley's feed, so I don't. I have no idea what Landry said tonight. Did he say anything interesting tonight? No. Okay, not, not a surprise. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, I wrote my piece on Peachtree Hoops said nothing really matters until they stabilize the front office um and in in that i meant because even if this team accomplishes something good you can't really sustain it if you don't have the organizational stability to sustain and continue to progress things um you know they lost we talked about the fact that they lost three senior advisors it seems like that's what was reported i don't know if that's ever fully confirmed or whatever but it seems like Bible reporting around that. Yeah, they're it's, I mean they haven't been around, so that seems right accurate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, used, we used to see them and now we do not. Like there you go. Uh, so I mean they're gonna need to re I mean my man they're gonna need to replenish that. You know, like you know as an experience as this group is is they're gonna have to find one or two or three kind of old heads we might say to come in and kind of you know make sure that they're um they have some seasoning kind of baked into their at least their conversations about what they're going to do. So, you know, I don't, I don't like the process to how they got to where they are at all. Um, you know, I don't like a bit of a parallel. I understand how Jamel got the job he got. He may be an awesome assistant coach. I don't know. Um, but those kinds of things are not typically the, you know, indications of a, an organization that's um, um, kind of exploring all the options and kind of executing the normal processes you want. So, uh, like I said before, I'll, I'll say this. 
I'm not going to say they can't do the job because I don't know they can't do the job. I don't like the process that got where they are today. Could they make a good step one, a good step two, a good step three, a good step four, kind of move it towards kind of a, a more functional kind of front office? There's no reason that can't happen. I don't know why I would think they're set up for that being a likely thing, but I'm not going to say they can't do it. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't like how they got to where they are. I think Lucian slank in the middle of the season, like five weeks before the trade deadline is pretty brutal. Um, I think having a coach who's basically said they're retiring at the end of the season. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't said that, but it feels like he's right. kind of saying that. Um, it's I, just that, that stability seems to be kind of an issue, but, you know. I do think there's some tangible manifestations of the change that you can sense. Like one, you know, we haven't had Landry in an open media setting yet. Like he did an interview with Lauren. He, uh, you know, he did an interview for TV tonight. That's really not the same as, right. you know, just Q&A. sort of a, a candid Q&A with the general media. We, um, you know, the Clint Capella injury was a little bit, I feel like that was handled differently, not from a medical point of view, but usually, you know, when there's an injury that's going to last a couple of weeks, they would say, okay, you know, so-and-so had an MRI. Uh, we're going to re- revisit in two weeks and, and you'll get a further update. Then there was nothing like that for, Clint, once he had the recurrence, like it was just, uh, we'll see. <laughs> right. And, and you know, another one is like, you know, there's these, it feels to me at least a little bit, and I don't know if this is a correlation or not, and I'm not saying it's even a bad thing because I think there are pros and cons. Uh, you know, we have seen Nate shorten the bench. And, you know, that's good and bad. You're, you're playing better players more. It's working. You're getting wins. Uh, until DeAndre Hunter's, foul-riddled game tonight where he took... Honestly, I thought he took a couple of bad fouls early when... Uh, but, sure. um, you know, he was averaging like 37 minutes a game in January, which, <laughs> you know, given his history, that, that to me, that seems like a lot. I don't know if that's sustainable or something they want to do long-term or if it's just a fluke until Clint gets back or or what, but, you know... That's... And, and and John not being 100% potentially there for a few games, too. Yeah, and and uh, you know things like Bogey, like Bogey played 19 consecutive minutes tonight. If if Brad's tweet was right, and you know it, it, he seems kind of reliable, he's all right, I guess. Um, <laughs> but like that's uh, you know I don't know if that's something that would have happened, but um, you know I think they would at least be cautious and cognizant of, about it, and I don't know that you know. Is this being tracked? Is it a concern? Or is it just like, hey, just go do your thing, Nate. We got your back. And, you know, honestly, maybe it works. But, you know, uh, I do think that these are things that feel slightly different. And we'll have to see how it shakes out. But uh, it's interesting. The team looks different. Yeah, the team looks different this last couple of weeks. You know, and and, and, and it, not in that, like, oh, in one game, it all got kind of fixed. It feels like in a better direction. Yeah, I think we've said that at one of the points this season. So, you know, we'll see if it continues. But sometimes there's sometimes a team will just pull together and say, we're going to block out the noise and we're going to do what we can do, right? We're going to play together. We're going to play hard. We're going to, you know, try to kind of do the right things. And we're just going to focus on that. And sometimes, sometimes more noise can result in a play, a, a, a team being forced to decide to kind of block that noise out and it can create more focus. It's kind of just strange how different, you know, Dynamics, yeah. you know, happen and things like that. And the vibes are very good. The vibes yeah. are very, very good. What, what do you think of uh, 
uh, where where we are right now with Jalen Johnson. You know, he's, he's sort of he's on the fringe. Play. Yeah, well, I mean, he's making shots now. Jump yeah, shots, he's you know. making shots. Yeah. So hopefully that's a thing. Um, he still looks great in transition. I think he's. I don't know why if Hawks fans on Twitter think he's terrible on defense. He's not. Um, Ooh, no, he's not. No. Uh, so I, he, to me, I've said it before. I'll keep saying it, he needs to play. You know, and maybe there's a game like I said. It's fine if the things don't go well in the first half. He gets cut from the rotation in the second half to set up. You know, to, to win the game in the second half. I think that's fine. You know, but and he needs, he needs to play. They need him. They need him. Uh, to develop, and they need to trust him, and his teammates he's on the court with need to help him uh, be successful. Um, so you know, you know, is it like I don't know Jalen, so like I've had players before, like it's a lot of work to get their head on straight and to get them confident, to get them buying in. And I'm not saying Jalen's like difficult or whatever, but he's in a supportive role on offense, you know, and so buying in is you know, so it's like. Oh my God, we really, really got to do a lot of put a lot into helping Jalen kind of. I just wonder if there's like something like, is it, did they feel like it's high maintenance to kind of get him ready to play game to game to game with like the matchup being different and the scheme being different or whatever? You just, I just say, I don't have any idea what's going on scenes, but from what I see, he needs to play. Yeah, I, I thought he could play more tonight. Uh, Agreed. All right. Uh, Lot to process. We'll we'll have to see. Well, hopefully, we can do this again soon. Get the schedules right and see if this thing keeps rolling. Sounds good. I, well, I vote for more fun basketball to watch. So that's my vote. <laughs> no more Miami games. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Have a good one.